The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Friends in Recovery Podcast, the podcast that is here to help you, a loved one, or a friend get started down the road to recovery. This is the Friends in Recovery Podcast, brought to you by the Genesis House. Genesis House, providing a safe, nurturing environment to heal from addiction since 1992. Please be a friend and share our message with a friend on Podbean, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or YouTube. And now, here are your Friends in Recovery. Hey, welcome to Friends in Recovery podcast. Uh, I am the the podfather, (laughs) Mike Miles, my good friend, Jersey Ed. Hi, everybody. And we have Ed, our extraordinaire producer. Good afternoon, gentlemen. <laughs> I think Mike had too much coffee. Yeah, What's going on over there? And we're podcasting live from Studio 21 Podcast Cafe up in beautiful, sunny, 64-degree Salem, New Hampshire. Ed, it's nice to be here. Yeah, it is, Mike. Ed Long was, time no see. Ed was tickling me when we started this off here. I know. And last and, uh, week you were on your own. That's your right. Last show. We have a very, very uh, astute guest today, Ed. We do. But before we introduce him... Do we have some business? We do, and I don't have the paperwork in front of me. You don't? So, okay, well, um, first of all, we want to thank Genesis for all they do for us. Absolutely. Oh, here it is. Genesis okay. House. Now I get the paperwork in front okay. of me. You so. think you would have memorized it by now, I Ed? I know, I know. <laughs> well, we just want to thank Genesis House for setting up um, this beautiful studio, as Mike calls it in, in the beginning, and uh, and uh, that we can spread the, the great message to, um, to everyone out there. Um, if you enjoy Friends um, in Recovery podcast, um, join us for Friends in Recovery community-supported um, events. We hold monthly gatherings in Florida and New Jersey. Massachusetts is coming soon, and um, Bob is going to be... Um, Bob Cox. Bob Cox is going to be doing that, and we'll have him on the show to talk yes, about he is. it. Yep. Yes. So, um, so we'll have a uh, friends in recovery uh, uh, community up here too. He's so. an alumni. Yeah, yeah. That's our. He's alumni. an alumnist. I'm that, sorry. That's He's our alumni um, Genesis House alumni. So. Correct. Um, we also have a special event coming up. Um, friends in recovery will be participating in Atlantic City Marathon in October. Um, so you come in and kind of talk to us or support us or whatever. And I believe sure. you're you're going to be. Um, going, if I I'm will. not mistaken. Uh, most, so. most definitely. Yep, yep. And uh, here's the important part. Follow us on Facebook um, uh, for updates um, and subscribe on YouTube and all your podcast catchers. And, of course, we're always looking for um, for guest speakers and so, yeah. people to tell about the recovery stories, professionals, just like the excuse me, gentleman we're going to have on today. Correct. And, um, uh, you know, just reach out to um, either Melissa or Skyler. Uh, um, it'll be all in the show notes as usual. Sounds good. Or you can email us at um, help at friendsandrecoverypodcast.com. And um, I try to get back to everybody. All the emails that do come in, I, I try to answer them. Um, you know, and that's it. That's it. Back all right. to you in the newsroom, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so our astute guest today is the Dr. Stephen R as in R. <laughs> Van Schuch. And Dr. Van Schuch is a clinical psychologist with over 34 years' experience in private practice. He received his bachelor's degree in biology from Princeton University. That's very impressive. And then he was admitted into a seven-year postgraduate program to receive his Ph.D. from the University of Cincinnati. Uh, Also known as Dr. Steve, he has managed and directed Centers for Treatment of Medically Significant Obesity, 
He founded his own company and established five hospital-based nutrition and weight management clinics with over 40 employees under his supervision. Wow, that's amazing. Um, Dr. Steve is also the husband, is a husband of 45 years. He has four adult children, one son, three daughters, six grandchildren, two boys, and four girls, and he resides in Newtown, PA. And Ed, I'm going to shoot it back to you, and Doc, welcome. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. Hey, great. Thanks for having me. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, New, Newton, uh, Newton, Newtown is uh, in my backyard, so you're, you're a neighbor of mine. Oh, where are you? In, I'm, in, I'm in Langhorn. Oh, actually, that's where I live. My practice oh. is in Newtown. So okay. We're neighbors. Okay, so we're neighbors. You might even be my next-door neighbor. I, I, I'm <laughs> always working, so I don't know anybody in my neighborhood. So, <laughs> You know, there's, <laughs> there's, one very important, uh, there's one very important fact I left out, and it, it just came to my attention. Dr. Steve is also a, an author, and um, his latest book, it's in paperback. It's called Looking for Yourself in All the Wrong Places. And uh, when was that published? Uh, 2001, Doctor? No, no, that's 2019. It was just published a couple months ago. Wow. Brand new. Brand new Looking book. for Yourself in All the Wrong Places. Awesome. That sounds like almost uh, everybody in recovery <laughs> at some point in time. <laughs> just published. Yeah, that's why it's a relevant topic. Yeah, absolutely. I looked this up today. I'm going to go right on and check this out. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about the book. Maybe tell us a little bit about your practice and um, you know, just give us a little uh, rundown. Okay. Um, my practice, I treat kind of the whole gamut of human kind of psychological problems. Um, so I, I have a significant number of people that have been addicts, whether it be abusing cocaine, alcohol, uh, opioids. Um, so I'm familiar with that struggle. I don't specialize in that per se, um, but I, I deal with a lot of uh, people with anxiety and depression. And I believe strongly that that's a precursor to the use of substances. Oh, yeah. So um, I've been in practice 34 years now, and I, I counted up, I've probably been uh, over 60,000 hours of direct patient care. Wow, wow. And, and really wanted to take what I had seen and try to give it to the world in a sense, and that's what made me write that book. So the book is a book about learning how to read your emotions and to kind of tell the difference between who you are and how you were raised. And, and understand the emotional conflicts that kind of go on as the source of a lot of anxiety and depression that people um, have to deal with. I, I think we misunderstand anxiety and depression, and it leads people to pursue the wrong treatment. Um, anxiety and depression are treated as medical conditions by a lot of folks, and that's the wrong way to look at it. All of us come from imperfect families, so mm -hmm. all of us, in a sense, are raised imperfectly. Yep. Those imperfections cause us to have to hide our emotions, and we end up becoming anxious when we go to feel things that we're not allowed to feel. So that's the major source of anxiety that exists in all human beings. Some people have med true medical conditions. They have you know, mental illness in a sense. All of us, though, suffer from the psychological variety. But the problem is people don't treat it that way. They treat it as a medical condition needing medication. And that becomes very confusing then even for the person who uses substances because it's seen as very normal to try to medicate away your emotions. Well, well, that's the thing. And, and I know 
Um, I still get anxiety now. Mike is very open about his anxiety, and and uh, we're both in recovery, Doc, um, a, a, a pretty long time. And um, I've noticed um, myself, my anxiety is is building more and more as as I get more and more down the road in my recovery. And as you too, Mike, um, you know, you 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 talk about it on, on there right. all the time. Um, but is that um, is that kind of the medication part you're talking about, is, is that what we did to heal ourselves or at least think to heal ourselves? Because I always hear people using pot for, um, uh, you know, to, to medicate themselves, but, um, you know, or, or some kind of benzos or something to make them feel better, um, take the edge off, I guess. Yeah, but I think that's, again, taking them down the wrong, you're treating the symptom. The cause is that if your anxiety is increasing, what you need to look at is it's a, it's a function of your relationships being distressed. And you need to start to examine kind of the pressures that are coming at you from the different relationships you have, right. whether it be your family, your wife, your, you know, your boss, your friends, um, those, as those relationships change, shift or break down and you have to represent yourself more strongly, that's the real basis for why we feel anxious. Well, that's a, that's a very good point. Um, I suffered from severe anxiety. Um, my second year of sobriety, actually going into my third year of sobriety, so much so that I went to see a psychiatrist in um, Boston, uh, St. Elizabeth's. I met this Dr. Henry Abraham, wonderful man. Um, he put me on a medication called Dizipramine. It was like a blocker, I believe. Okay. And um, I had just got sober from alcohol and drugs. I didn't really want to take any medication, but he, he convinced me to take this. And it was um, about an 18-month period where I went from 10 milligrams, 20, 40, 60, 60, 40, 20, and off. Um, and, and I got to say, the anxiety, what you said just makes so much sense because my anxiety that I thought was just coming out of nowhere was situational. It had a lot to do with me living life on life's terms without, you know, coke, uh, booze, uh, weed, uh, quaaludes, or whatever. You know, anything I could pop in my mouth that would make, make me feel a little bit better. And, um, yeah, it's very interesting. I have a quick question for you, not to get off the topic, but the book on sure. obesity, the book on obesity, now... I've had a couple of clients, young ladies, that have had eating disorders, and I know it's it's not obesity. It was just the opposite. They were basically, um, I don't want to say they were anorexic, anorexic. I, I am not a doctor, but um, I just felt like it was way over my head, so I referred them to somebody. I wanted them to get the proper help. So in all your studies and all your knowledge and experience with people with their weight, um, do, you, do you look at food as an addiction? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, I think that's the wrong way to understand wow. it. Could you talk on uh, that just a bit? Yeah, sure. Thank um, you. The, the difference is you, food is a naturally occurring need. It, it's a response from the body, ju just like sex is. So to use addiction as a model for either sex or food ignores the fact that the impulses are normal and natural. Wow. It's better to think of it as, as obsession. Mm -hmm. That What it is is it's a sign of, of severe anxiety about something. So the anorexic, for example, is trying to be perfect to please people, right? It's not a, it's not a food problem. It's a people problem. The, sa the same thing is true with obesity, except with obesity, there is, um, there is true metabolic differences among people. We're not all designed to be the same size and shape. Mm -hmm. And when people try to fight their own biology at a level that they can't fight, they're just going to wait cycle all the time. That's not an addiction. That's basically a misunderstanding of the problem. Okay. So, so you, you have to look at the anxiety that exists a lot of times in eating, especially with people who have failed at managing their weight and then been blamed for it. 
Right. So there's a tremendous amount of shame that's associated Certainly. with, you know, obesity. So it's, it seems like that the anxiety, like you said, is, is all built into us and it's, 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 then, then it's created even more havoc on us, depending on our job or our, um, our situation, our life situation. And then we can try to, I guess, either fix it with a doctor like you or eat, um, do drugs, drink, um, probably withdraw from life too. Um, if I don't talk to you, if I don't talk to anybody, my anxiety would probably go away. Is that kind of how, like without being a doctor, is that kind of how you, we would probably handle it? And we come see you obviously when we, when it gets too much. Um, think of it this way. Anxiety has to be managed by the, by the mind. And so what the mind does is it creates defenses to handle it. So we obsess essentially some people will obsess in response to fear. So that obsession can turn anything from being afraid of germs on a doorknob, you know, to being obsessed about your body size. Mm -hmm. We we can also distract ourselves as a defense where we turn to substances to try to medicate away our emotions. But there's some response that the mind has to fear that basically drives our defensive reactions. So part of what we need to do in understanding ourselves is understand how to read our own defenses to, in a sense, search for our real emotions. Because our emotions are beyond the anxiety. That's like a signal that the deeper emotions are getting stirred. You, you got to learn to know yourself to know how to find those, deep, those deeper emotions to know what to do with them. And then once those signals hit, then there's, there's different trigger points that you can stop to make them go any further than what they're, what they're doing. I'm guessing is that, is that how it's, well, you can manage your emotions. Manage like a lot it, yeah. of people think you're supposed to like push your emotions away. You're supposed oh, to no. use them. Yeah. They're, they're information. They are telling you something about the state of your relationship. Yeah. Like if you're angry, you know, you're angry for a reason. You're angry because there's some imbalance kind of somewhere that needs to be restored Okay. in, in some kind of relationship. Sure. So, um, but a lot of people are trained not to feel anger, especially like you're men. Not to be angry at your yeah. mom and dad, for right. example. Yeah, right? yeah. Right. How right? to quality? So yeah. Mm. So when people feel, you know, start to experience anger, they often experience it as anxiety. Okay, and then and then, so they get horribly confused about what to do, and so they turn to all the, you know, the mechanisms to kind of manage the fear, and then the anger never gets surfaced and it never the problem behind it never gets defined doctor let me ask you a question is i do a little i have a practice myself and i I do a lot of counseling on mostly on substance use and abuse but i also i'm a clinical social worker um do you do you equate anger and um so anger an angry response or a pleasant response do they come from the same part of the brain or the same emotional um sure the amygdala runs you know, all our emotional response. Okay. Anger is a natural response. I mean, we're supposed to have some type of anger, correct? Well, if you don't, you don't know when to protect yourself mm-hmm. because anger Bingo. tells you there's a problem. So Bingo. it means it's time to like react and, right. to, and to do something. People confuse um, anger and rage though. Right. Okay. Right? Like, and so they think they're angry when they're like calling somebody a name or attacking their character. Those, those are rage rageful response right right well what's 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 an anger anger is a lower level response where you're saying hey something's wrong here can we figure it out can we work it out so there's like a win-win situation between us so kind of getting frustrated or uneasy about a situation or something like that would be more of an anger you're saying 
Yeah, that, well, we have lots of names for anger, okay. right? That that create the whole gamut of everything from you know frustrated to pissed off to mm -hmm. like being in a rage. Okay. The, the idea is to learn how to recognize it at its lowest level, so you can work with it before it turns into rage. When you package when you package you your anger, your natural anger, mm -hmm. it comes out as rage. Okay. okay. Doctor, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to leave it here at anger and rage. This is very, very informative and good stuff. We yeah, appreciate we'll talk, it. Talk to you after the break. We'll be doc. back after the break. Friends okay. Recovery Podcast. Genesis House is a premier substance abuse and rehabilitation facility located in beautiful Palm Beach County, Florida. We have been providing the highest quality of addiction treatment since 1992 and are accredited by the Joint Commission. We offer a range of programs that include detox, residential treatment, dual diagnosis, a Christian track for people who want to incorporate their faith into treatment, a uniform services track, and we work with most major insurance carriers. Genesis House is led by a dedicated team of administrative and clinical professionals, and we stand on our commitment to excellence in recovery services. Contact us today to find out more about our program. Take the first step and call Genesis House at 800-737-0933 or visit us on the web at www.genesishouse.net. That's 800-737-0933 or www.genesishouse.net. Begin your journey to a long and successful recovery with Genesis House. Hey, welcome back, Friends of Recovery Podcast. Dot com. Dot com. <laughs> I am the podfather, Mike Miles, my good friend, Jersey Ed. Hello, hello. Chachio. And if you can spell that. <laughs> you win the prize. You win the prize. And the prize will be a mug or a t-shirt. <laughs> That's right. We still, we still got those mugs yeah, and We got to get rid of them. Email us, guys, at uh, help at friends of recovery podcast.com and we'll send you a shirt or a mug and doc i'll bring you a mug and a shirt home and uh, uh I'll, I'll drop it off at your office sometime next week okay I'll drop it off at my house okay yeah yeah you're my neighbor so you don't want this guy <laughs> at your house doc trust me <laughs> hey based on what he said i don't even know if he'd be my neighbor i know right <laughs> that's right he basically that's told right. you stay away that's what he said what, what was that movie um uh, uh where the, where the <laughs> patients are following the doctor around I what think about it was, bob what about bob <laughs> yeah <laughs> A great movie. Go my be kids be worst nightmare. <laughs> and, and you know, to tell you the truth, I've never been on a vacation where I haven't run into a patient. I'm sure. <laughs> That's I'm even sure. worse, right? Good guy. That's good stuff. <laughs> hey, Doc, yeah, this has been a great, uh, so far, a, a great podcast. Uh, can we talk about your book a little bit? Uh, you have a few of them here. I'm going to grab Looking for Yourself in All the Wrong Places, uh, published in 2019. Um, how long did it take you to write it? What's it chock full of? And uh, go ahead. <laughs> Um, it took me about 18 years to write it. It's a uh, collection of all the experiences I've had as a therapist over 60,000 hours of, you know, direct patient care. Um, and there are patterns that I, that I noticed occurring all the time within the, you know, the patients I talked to. And I, I felt that I, if I could condense and, and help people understand what goes on with their emotions how their mind works with emotions, how their self is formed, you know, what creates anxiety and depression that um, it would help my patients truly understand how to benefit from treatment. Nice. So the book is written to really, you know, help people that are thinking about treatment, begin to understand how it could help them and also people in treatment to kind of crystallize what their experience is. 
Now, everything we we spoke about the um, before the break, all that uh, the anxiety and everything that's obviously in the book too. Um, I'm guessing. Oh yeah. Okay. It's, um, so if you look at the title and talk about like how come we can't find ourselves or even know our authentic self, that has a lot to do with how we manage emotions because mm-hmm. yourself is defined by the emotions that you follow. So we have two different sets of emotions when, and two different sources of emotions in the mind. One is the messages from the way we're raised gives us messages that are encoded with fear, guilt, and shame. Yep. But you also have naturally occurring reactions that are driven more by more basic emotions like uh, joy and sadness and anger. That those are those are the emotions you want to be the driver of your of your choices. But we are so programmed by our life experiences, you know, within our families, that we hide a lot of times our natural emotions and are driven by the learned emotions. And when that happens, we're not living our own lives. We're living a life that's dictated by the way we were raised. We're living our parents' lives, basically. To be true to yourself, you have to uncover those those natural emotions so that they can be the basis for your own life choices. And that's so true, Doc. Um, you know, I, I and I, I was just talking to Mike during the break. You know, I had this um, anxiety attack today on, on, on the way to work and – um, and it, it, it just drove me nuts. I was, I was, you know, I, I very rarely get them, but for some reason I really had a really bad anxiety attack. And, um, it was, it was about like, I thought I was going to not, not going to die, but I, you know, I thought I had something wrong with me and I, my mother, oh, yeah, it can be powerful. Oh, oh my God. I, I was, I was probably going to, I thought I was going to go to the hospital. I, of course, being in a program, I called a couple people and I got out of myself. Um, a friend of mine said, uh, Stay out of your head. It's a dangerous neighborhood, <laughs> and which yeah, is the, true. The crazy doctor living in it. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I I, I was writing my will out, at, you know, or, or handing my will out. So, but um, but but the the, the point I was was going to make is that um, you know. I remember my mom doing that. I remember my, my sister has anxiety. My kids have anxiety, and 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 everything you're saying, it's 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 kind of pushed by life and not by joy or happiness or sadness. And, and it's so true, right. you know? Right. It's, it's pushed by fear and, and a lot of, um, suppressed emotion. Yeah. I learned a lot about this, Mike, when, when I was in college, I ended up having panic attacks so severely that I had to drop out of Princeton in my junior year. Oh, and that was what kind of put me on the path to trying to figure out, you know, what, what, what went on and what does it mean and how to make sense of it? And, you know, I spent my lifetime kind of devoted to that. Um, and I, I, I have a whole chapter that kind of discusses my life and what I learned about having to deal with my own emotions. Um, a lot of my patients really enjoy, you know, reading that because I become human, not just the doctor. Right. Um, and they respect the fact that I was that willing to kind of share my story. Certainly. Yeah, um, it's it's a little embarrassing to put it out there. You know, as a human, I I've walked through Newtown and had people make calls, you know, cat calls to me. But <laughs> that's part of what you gotta live with. Well, when you come to listen, when when you're sharing your 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 personal um, you know strengths and and your weaknesses, it, it helps others too. And uh, you know, um, you know, knowing you know, just hearing this for me, anyways, and hopefully ever, anybody out there listening. Well, I think we have people listening, don't we? I hope so. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> um, you know, that's going to kind of maybe prompt them to understand that. 
you know, it, it's not me. It's it's right. it, this is this other stuff that's going on, and hopefully, seeking help if you're in in the Bucks County area through the doc or or whatever. Right. You know, I mean, it's it, it's definitely something that 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 can be fixed. Is that correct? Oh, it's not only fixable. It's if you learn how to read your emotions, then you start operating in a way that makes you feel stronger. Okay. If you don't understand them, they run you, and you feel Certainly. weaker. Yeah. That's a good point, Doc. Earlier, um, when we first started the podcast, you had mentioned. Um, we're talking about eating disorder, and you said trying to please others. So let me just ask you about people pleasing. A, a person who's a people pleaser, someone who wants to please people, doesn't want to hurt their feelings, will actually go out of their way to do something they don't want to do just to please that one person who could be totally insignificant. You know, it could be the grocery sure. guy. Or, you know what I'm saying? Could be the waiter. Could yeah, be any. Exactly. Talk about that a little, will you please? Sure. Um, in fact, we're all people pleasers because we were born dependent on our parents. So we have to please them to survive. And that's the basis for the way we forge our first sense of who we are. So by pleasing our moms and dads, you know, we get them to praise us and, and love us. But that's not really who we are. We have to learn how to grow that other set of reactions where we know sometimes when we're told to do something that just doesn't feel right to us. That's when you, st you start engaging your own natural self. Right. And, and that is a very difficult journey to learn how to listen to that voice. And you can't, just, you can't just call it like gut instinct because our gut is poisoned by our family experience. You have to be able to separate the emotions in your gut to know which ones to listen to and which ones to follow. If you don't know that, you will automatically be a people pleaser because that's how all of us survive. So for some of us, it's hard to say no to almost to anything. And, uh, and that's how we were brought up. But you're saying the natural thing to do is to, uh, to kind of listen to the situation. And if, if we do need to help them or figure out what to do with them, then we do. If not, then we just go out our own business and that's it. We don't have to, you know, whatever the people pleasing thing is at the time then. People pleasing is safe and it reduces anxiety. Also, um, it that, reduces that's conflict. That's why people do it. It reduces but, conflict. Right. But it, it's the cost is you're having to suppress your own real self. And as you get older, you have to basically let that self emerge or you live a life driven by others and you don't feel like you even know who you are. Yep, exactly. Um, we have only a couple more minutes here, Doc. I just, uh, I just want to make sure that we get everything in about you. Um, and we talked about anxiety. We talked about um, substance abuse, and um, you know, a little bit of everything. Tell us a little bit about your practice. How can somebody get a hold of you? Because if somebody's listening and and um, you know, want, they want to um, you know, kind of get help, um, can you tell us how how we can do that? Sure. All the information about me is on my website. You can go to www.drvanshoik.com. That's D-R-B-A-N-S-C-H-O-Y-C-K.com. And they can learn all about my background, where my practice is, those kind of things. Um, you can also purchase the book on Amazon.com. And I'd encourage all your listeners to do that. Um, it contains a lot of information, you know, gleaned from thousands of patients over many hours that I think um, is very representative of all people. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and if you're listening, Looking for Yourself in All the Wrong Places is the name of the book. 
Yeah, it's a wonderful book. Me and Mike, uh, we got in the mail, but we didn't get a chance to read it. We did right. order it. We didn't get a chance to read it. It just came uh, <laughs> I'll be reading it tonight, so. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, it's it's just been a pleasure having you on here, Doc, and uh, hopefully I'll see you when I get home later. Um, <laughs> Sounds good. I look, I look forward to it. Absolutely, Maybe absolutely. I, well, I have coffee up at the coffee house. There, Yes, absolutely. Up in Langhorne. We, we will do that, absolutely. So thanks for okay. being a, a, a Dr. Steve, a guest you're on the a, best. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Steve. One real quick thanks, thing, Ed. Mike. Thanks, Doc. One real thing real quick, Mike. Um, we just, I want to let our listeners know for our first responders, and this is perfect, this this subject is perfectly the t- perfect thing to talk about. Spin it um, up. <laughs> it's this damn coffee that got me going. Um, my words are going out too fast. So we started a new podcast. Right. Um, we did last night. Yep. And we did. And, and it was excellent. Friends so in Recovery. Answering the call. Correct. First Responders Podcast. Right. It's a little different setting than what you're going to see here, but we're going to right. keep the same basic uh, information, but we're going to focus it on um, first responders only. More on behavior than substance abuse. Everything. Right. Yeah. Right. You name it. Behavioral right. health, whatever it is. So just look for us. It'll be in the email if you guys can subscribe to uh, or, or email us. And Friends we'll, and Recovery Podcast. Dot com. Answering the call. That's the new podcast. So see you next week. T- stay sober, everybody. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.